Welcome to Ancient Words, Modern Message. I'm your host, Roger Womble. The past is a mirror, and the more we examine what came before us, the more we can understand where we are heading. There are a number of time-honored mottos, which have been a great encouragement to Christians throughout the ages, among which is this one, prayer changes things. While the Bible is full of instances in which things were changed by prayer, one of the most dramatic is found in the Old Testament record of the life and reign of King Hezekiah. In this early part of a new year, Perhaps more than ever, we need a reminder of the power of prayer. And in King Hezekiah's own words recorded in Isaiah 38, 19 and 20, a reminder that the Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Let's learn more about this as we consider the fourth in this series entitled, Not Perfect, But Good, Studies in the Life and Reign of King Hezekiah, an episode entitled simply, The Power of Prayer. Let's move into the continuation of our study of the life and reign of King Hezekiah. It is a series that I have entitled, Not Perfect, But Good. And this is the fourth of our studies in the life and reign of King Hezekiah. And as the notes would indicate, I would remind you that uh, the record of Hezekiah's, King Hezekiah's life and reign is found in three places in the Old Testament. It is found in the book of 2 Kings, specifically chapters 18 through 20. It is found in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapters 29 through 32. And it is also found in one of the major uh, prophet books of the Old Testament, and that would be the book of Isaiah, chapters 36 through 39. And each one of these accounts has a slightly different perspective from the others. I would remind you that the book of 2 Kings Uh, actually records the history of the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Israel from the time of King David. And so it is a history of both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, whereas the book of 2 Chronicles uh, is a history only of the southern kingdom of Israel that we know as, as Judah. And of course, the perspective of these two chroniclers, we don't know exactly who wrote 1st and 2nd Kings and who wrote 1st and 2nd Chronicles. So we refer to the writer as the chronicler. The chronicler of the books of Kings was more interested in, in tracking and recounting the various military campaigns of the various kings of the Northern and the Southern Kingdom. Whereas the chronicler of the book of books of first and second chronicles seems to be more interested in the spiritual uh, character and tone of the southern kingdom of Israel at various periods of time. A difference in perspective. And then you have Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and his perspective is quite different because most of the whole book of Isaiah is a book of prophecy. 
But then we come to what has sometimes been called a historical parenthesis, chapters 36 through 39, when we read of the interaction between the prophet Isaiah and King Hezekiah. Uh, so, but even though there's a difference in perspective uh, among these three different accounts, in all three accounts, uh, and by the way, I should say, first of all, what we read in these three accounts is not always placed in chronological order. So there are some events in the life of King Hezekiah uh, that, uh, that we are going to be considering, one of them today. And when you read the account in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, and even in Isaiah's account, uh, you get the idea that these events took place after, remember, there was an impending invasion of the southern kingdom of Judah uh, by the Assyrian army under King Sennacherib. And actually, in all three of the accounts, the record of the invasion by Assyria under Sennacherib comes first. And then there are two other incidents in the life of King Hezekiah that come after that. But when you read carefully the material, you, you learn that these other two incidents actually happened before the invasion uh, by the Assyrians. And that's important to keep in mind. And the main reason for that uh, is because the arrangement of events in uh, 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles and even in Isaiah is more along the thematic lines, trying to develop a theme rather than following the, the chronology. But what they all three have in common is they all contain the account of King Hezekiah's illness and his supernatural healing. That is found in all three of the accounts. So uh, the first, the briefest of those accounts is the one that we find in 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 32, 24, just one verse refers to this event in Hezekiah's life. It simply says, Hezekiah was sick, he got better, and God gave him a sign. One verse. Now, you know, our study of the life and reign of King Hezekiah thus far has been from the book of 2 Chronicles. But if we just stayed on 2 Chronicles, it's only one verse, and it would be a brief session this evening, briefer than usual. So because of that, I've decided that we're going to look at the account that is actually the longest of the three accounts, and that's the account in the book of 2 Kings, uh, chapter 20. And then, of course, uh, Isaiah's account is, is, is even different because uh, it includes, Isaiah's account includes a few verses, a short passage describing Hezekiah's illness and his recovery, supernatural recovery. But then the bulk of what Isaiah has to say about this whole incident is the record of a psalm, P-S-A-L-M, a psalm or a song that Hezekiah wrote after he recovered from his illness. And that's the bulk of that passage. But let's look at 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. And you'll see that in this passage, there are four movements in presenting information about this incident in the life of King Hezekiah. Four movements. And the first of these movements is uh, what we see in verse 1. And that is the prophet Isaiah, who was a contemporary, remember, of King Hezekiah. 
And remember that Isaiah lived in the southern kingdom. Not all of the prophets were sent to the southern kingdom. Some were sent to the northern kingdom, but Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom. And the prophet Isaiah shows up one day in the palace uh, and, uh, and, and he appears before King Hezekiah with a pronouncement. And it's not a happy time because it's an alarming pronouncement to the king that the king is going to die. And he is going to die sooner rather than later. Notice verse one. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amotz, came to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die. You shall not recover. Now that had to be a bit of a shock uh, because if someone shows up and says, set your house in order because your days are numbered, you're, you're going to die very soon. Uh, that would be disturbing. That would be alarming. Uh, and we read that Hezekiah was sick, but Isaiah comes and says, you're not going to recover from this sickness. You are going to die. There's been some discussion as to what was the illness? What was the sickness that was so serious that it would claim the life of King Hezekiah? Well, you probably had your dinner about two hours ago, so it's okay, except for the, the pumpkin bread that you ate. Uh, but we read later on that Hezekiah, in this passage, Hezekiah had a boil. And it is likely that that boil became infected and the infection turned into sepsis, blood poisoning, and it produced a life-threatening situation uh, that would claim his life. Now, that's not expanded in Scripture, but when we kind mm -hmm. of read some of the statements about the illness, that seems to be a, a, a valid explanation. But there it is. That's the pronouncement. And then we come to the second movement. And that's verses two and three. And it is, of course, the reaction of Hezekiah to this pronouncement. And what we read of is a sorrowful plea by Hezekiah for mercy, but based upon his service to the Lord. Now, remember that Hezekiah was a good and godly king. Up to this point, we have considered all of the, the wonderful reforms that took place under King Hezekiah. Uh, his father, of course, Ahaz, was a wicked king and had introduced all kinds of horrible religious practices into the southern kingdom of Judah. And, of course, Hezekiah, as a young man, only 25 years of age, comes onto the scene and decides to change all of that. And the result was an unprecedented revival that swept through the land, the southern kingdom of Judah. You'll remember that he was responsible for destroying uh, the various idols that had been that had been erected all over the southern kingdom of Israel. He was responsible for, for opening the doors of the temple and reinstituting worship. He reorganized the, the Levites and the priests. He was responsible for, uh, for reestablishing the observance of Passover, which became uh, basically a national uh, time of worshiping the Lord. And so he had done all of these wonderful things, and now he faces the prospect of dying almost uh, 
immediately. So here we have his response in verses two and three. When Isaiah gave this pronouncement, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. And this is what he said. Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. That's the second movement. The third movement is verses four through seven. And it is quite striking because God sends his prophet to Hezekiah to say, you're going to die and you're going to die soon. And the response of Hezekiah is to pray. And what happens is recorded in verses four through seven. Verse four, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, so no sooner had he made that pronouncement and started to leave, but Hezekiah had already poured out his heart to God in fervent prayer, asking for God's mercy based upon his service to the Lord in the past, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, to Isaiah, telling him, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day after this, you will go up to the house of the Lord, the temple in Jerusalem, and you will worship him there. You will not die. You will recover. And three days from now, you will be worshiping in the temple. And then we read on in verse six, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city, Jerusalem, out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Prayer makes a difference. I don't understand how it works, but I know this, that the prayer of Hezekiah made God change his mind. Prayer makes a difference. And not only does God through Isaiah say, you're not going to die, he goes on to say, you're going to live for another 15 years. Incidentally, by comparing some of the date points in these various accounts, it is likely that Hezekiah was 40 years old, around 40, when this event took place. And he was told then at the age of 40, you have 15 more years to live. I'm not sure I would like to know exactly how much time I have left. But so it was with King Hezekiah. And not only did God through Isaiah say, you'll live another 15 years, he went on to say, and the impending attack by the Assyrian army against you and the city of Jerusalem will fail. You notice that? Verse 6, I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And that's why we know that this event took place before the invasion of Jerusalem at the hands of the Assyrians, and that was turned away in a most amazing way. Stay tuned because four weeks from today, we'll consider that in our last uh, session. But then we have this uh, in, in verse seven. And Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs 
and let them take and lay it on the boil, there it is, that he may recover. I'm not sure about the fig thing. I mean, homeopathic medicine is okay, right? But I'm not sure what the therapeutic qualities of a cake of figs is. But we do know this, that there are times when in the midst of a miracle, God, for his own reasons, decides that there has to be some sort of a representation of a, a means of healing. The classic example would be Jesus when he healed a blind man on one occasion. And what did Jesus do? He actually made mud with his own spit and put that on the eyes of the blind man. And then he told the blind man to go and wash it off. And what do you know? He now could see. Jesus didn't need to use the mud, but he chose to do that. The cake of figs was not necessary, but nonetheless, the real healing came not from the cake of figs, but from the Lord. Well, then the fourth movement is this. Hezekiah, having been told, you won't die, you will live, asks for a sign, and God gives him a sign. Verse 8, Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day. And Isaiah said, This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he has promised. And then Isaiah says, It has to do with a sundial in the palace. And God's going to give you a sign associated with the sundial. So now you can choose which way you want it. Okay, uh, here's the choice. Shall the shadow on the sundial move forward 10 steps or go back 10 steps? That's a no-brainer because you see, just the natural passing of time means that the shadow is going to move ahead. Ah, yes, but when the shadow on the sundial goes backward, that is a sign. And of course, verse 10, Hezekiah answered, it's an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen 10 steps. Rather, let the shadow go back 10 steps. Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back 10 steps by which it had gone down on the steps of Ahaz. I already told you that Isaiah the prophet um, contains, uh, he gives the record of this event, but his record contains uh, the words of a song that Hezekiah wrote in praise to the Lord after his, his supernatural healing. And I close by just uh, referring you to two of the verses in that song which Hezekiah wrote that's found in Isaiah chapter 38. It's at the bottom of your page of notes. This is what Hezekiah said. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. It's Hezekiah saying, I'm going to tell my children and everyone else in the land is going to tell their children what God has done for me, the kind of God we serve. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, says Hezekiah, we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments, the songs that were used in worship in the temple. We will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. 
Our God is a God who delights in saving his people. And even when it seems as if there is no hope and all hope is lost, when the people of God pour out their hearts to God, God hears and God is able to answer those prayers in a most astounding way. I have had, of course, virtually nonstop communication with our various folks in Israel over these last 10 days. And in my communication with our Israeli friends and ministry affiliates and colleagues, I ask them, what can we do for you? Uh, we want to know, what can we do for you? And in each and every case, the response is, pray for us. Pray for us that God will show himself mighty on our behalf in this situation. And they also add, because they are Israeli Jewish believers, they also add, pray that God will use this to draw many of our fellow Jews to him. And they add, and that God will also use this to draw many of our Arab neighbors to him as well. And so that should be our prayer. I hope that's been helpful to you as we have seen how God worked in the past and how he's able to work right here and right now. Thanks for listening to Ancient Words, Modern Message. You can expect a new episode every other Monday, so please join us again. Ancient Words, Modern Message is supported by Hebrew Christian Fellowship. To learn more about our ministry or to ask a question, contact us at hcfellowship4819 at gmail.com. If you know someone who might be interested in this teaching, please share it with them. And please consider leaving a review of what you've heard on Apple Podcast. Your input helps us make our program even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for Ancient Words, Modern Message, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Ancient Words, Modern Message is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. And I'm your host, Roger Womble reminding you that the Word of God is living and active. Until next time, showers of blessings on you and those you love.